you're listening to the Hatha Yoga Podcast. I'm Laura Lang, yoga teacher and corporate lawyer. I help students and young professionals in the legal and corporate world ditch the hustle and overwhelm so they can become the kind, empathetic and self-aware professionals that this world so badly needs. Let's be honest, you're working hard every day to qualify for or handle a big responsibility. You can't afford to sacrifice your health and well-being while building your dream career. Through the power of yoga and meditation, I will help you transition out of the hustle mentality and into a state of balance and ease so you can get the results that you desire in your career and create the work life of your dreams while treating yourself as the queen or king that you are. In this show, you can expect to learn everything you need to know about how to build a self-care practice that doesn't interfere with your career goals, but rather supports the journey that you're on. Each week, I will share tips, tools, and techniques about how to thrive in the corporate and legal world based on everything I learned along the way after a decade in the legal industry and thousands of hours of personal yoga practice and lots of studies. This week, I'm chatting to Abigail Sue. She is a sport and exercise psychologist working with those in sport, corporate and business to help them overcome their roadblocks to success so they can feel great about themselves physically and mentally to crush their goals. She practices a client-centered approach where she believes that clients know themselves the best. And as a practitioner, her role is to assist and keep them accountable to the standards they've set for themselves. I've invited Abby onto the podcast to talk about all the stuff that they don't teach you in law school or university. And today we're talking about all these unspoken challenges that we face as women working in the the legal industry. And I might just add here that we will speak a lot about female lawyers today, but if you're working in some other corporate function or you're still studying but not to become a lawyer, I'm sure there are plenty of stories that you can relate to as well. Before we hit the record button on this interview, Abby and I had a little chat about what we what we'd been up to before our call, and it turned out that we were both a little bit all over the place. So we kicked off our session with a short meditation together on the call, just to center in and to make sure that our conversation would be valuable for you to listen to. And I know that you're super busy, so the fact that you've taken the time to tune into this episode, it just means so much to me. Now, before I bring Abby onto the show, I want to remind you that my very first online yoga program, Wind Down, is now available on demand to you. Wind Down is the ultimate yoga program for future lawyers and corporate professionals who want to change the way they treat themselves and ditch the hustle and overwhelm. Wind Down is a seven-day yoga program, and it is for you if you want to stop wasting time pretending to look busy for the sake of FaceTime and just start creating a daily routine that will help you perform better at work. It's also for you if you want to start building your thriving career and stop working these 15 plus hours per day because deep inside, you know that that is not sustainable. In Wind Down, you'll learn a method that is made for lawyers and corporate professionals by your fellow lawyer, that is me. And you'll also learn how to drastically improve your life quality so that you can thrive in your professional life as well as in your personal life. If this sounds like something for you, then go and click the link in the description to this episode to get your wind down on. 
And I might just mention that this yoga program, it is recorded with video. So as opposed to what you're used to here on the previous episodes of the podcast, in Wind Down, you can actually see me practicing on the screen with you. So it will be more accessible to you if you're completely new to yoga. I can't wait to see you inside. I will definitely be looking out for you. Now, if you enjoy the show, please, please, please do me a favor. Grab your phone right now and send a message with a link to this episode to your law or corporate bestie so we can get this valuable content in their ears. That would just mean so much to me and hopefully they will learn something super valuable from the episode just like you. And if you are a real hands-up kind of person, then you would totally make my day by rating the podcast on your favorite platform or going into Apple Podcasts and leave a short review. This way you can help the podcast grow and expand so we can get the episodes in the ears of all the future generations in the legal and corporate profession. Now let's welcome Abby onto the show. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Abby. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Likewise. Before we get started, I want to ask you, what is one thing you did today to care for your health? Today, I did a bit of a meditation this morning um, with you before our call. So that was really helpful just to get myself together and get myself uh, to concentrate on what we're going to talk about in a bit. Yeah, exactly. I think we both came on this call a little bit like frustrated with everything that had happened up until this point in our day. You had a lot of clients. I've been reviewing a lot of contracts and and then it's difficult to just get into it to a deep conversation if your mind is elsewhere. So meditation is just key. I love that. And just for a bit more context, would you mind telling the listeners about yourself? Like, who are you? What do you do? And where are you tuning in from today? Sure. Um, so my name's Abby. I am actually from the UK. I'm based in London. So what I do for work is um, I'm a sports psychologist. I also coach lawyers, um, fitness. So I train a lot of lawyers from some of the biggest law firms in the world. Um, and this is why I'm coming on here today to share a bit more about like how you could uh, balance out your work-life balance. How do you take care of your health and fitness? And also um, as a non-white woman, like I've heard a lot of like different stories from my client just working as a woman in like a very um, male dominated industry in law and in sports. So I've got some stories that I would like to share. Um, yeah, just to let everyone know that you're not alone if you're facing some struggles in your career. That's awesome. I'm so happy to have you here and, and that you're willing to share these stories. Um, and I think this is an exciting interview because it is the first time that I'm interviewing someone who doesn't have a background in law themselves. So um, just kind of hearing from an outsider <laughs> what uh, what you see and uh, what you observe when you talk to people from the legal profession. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So um, today we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but um, what they really all have in common um, is that they are all things that we're not taught in law school. <laughs> I think that's fair to right. say. Um, and to be more specific, we'll address these unspoken challenges that we face, particularly as uh, women working in the legal industry. And Abby, first of all, I'm I'm really interested to understand better why you chose to focus on female lawyers in your daily work. Right. Very good question. So when I started out um, coaching people fitness or being a personal trainer, I didn't really have like a niche, but for some reason, a lot of lawyers and accountants came to me. 
Um, and then just through word of mouth, um, they would introduce their colleagues and friends to come train with me. I just somehow got into the path of like focusing on training lawyers and accountants. Um, and also because I work in sports, um, which is also quite a similar environment in terms of it's quite very white and male dominated. So a lot of times clients do feel like they can resonate with me with the experience at work. And I do really like working with lawyers because you guys are high achievers, always very on point, very organized, very, very uh, nice and easy to work with. That's great. And I've actually, um, my own therapist told me that she also enjoys working with lawyers and just high achievers in general, because whenever you guys tell us to do something we know how to go and and get the task solved so it's it's not like oh well you tell me to think positively but i don't know how to do it then then we go out and we we find a way to to do that so yeah. it's interesting to hear that, that you have the same experience definitely lawyers are great clients to work with like as you said you guys just do what you've been told uh pretty much and very very on it so it's great <laughs> and sometimes it's also a bit scary, I think, <laughs> because, well, I remember when I was in high school, I had this elective in psychology and, and actually, by coincidence, the, the teacher was also a sports psychologist like you. And I used to be this straight A student who did everything right and I could, you know, write all these analysis and texts and whatever. And she was my first teacher to tell me that I, I couldn't get through in this world if I just answered all the questions I had to think critically as well and she really challenged me on like my my academic um sides it, it wasn't just enough to you know know all of the curriculum or be able to repeat whatever it said in the textbook she really challenged me to to think independently and um I think that's uh, that's something you you guys can really help us out with so it's not just oh well she told me to do this so I'm I'm never going to think critically about the advice I was given I agree. Yeah, critical thinking is so important because when it comes to coaching, it's a two-way relationship. So the way how it works is I will motivate and encourage you to think. And then um, instead of like you asking me a question, I just give you the answer. That's not as effective. Yeah, so good point. <laughs> cool. And since you've been when, been working with uh, these female lawyers, how long have you actually been working with uh, with lawyers and accountants? for over five years now I think okay cool yeah. and um what are some of the challenges that you see these female lawyers in particular that they face <laughs> yeah I've got uh two stories to share actually um so one of it was one of my client who's a senior associate in one of the uh biggest law firm in the UK and then because she looked quite young although she's over 31 now I think sometimes when she goes to like clients uh office or site um, people just automatically assume that she is the PA and there were so many times that she get asked to get coffee from Starbucks just because she looked quite young she's a woman and uh, yeah so that made me feel quite sad um, it just it keeps happening and there's nothing much that you could do to change about that to be honest with you yeah so that's the first one um, and then the second one is another client of mine who is um, so the client that I just talked about she's white as well and then this one is Asian, um, a lot more mature. She's over 40 and she's also a senior associate. And then I think she said that over Christmas at like the dinner, um, she was sitting around the table with like partners and other senior associate. But like someone from another firm just assumed that she is the secretary of her boss. 
and asked her to go get wine for them. So, um, but she is very, well, the reason why she's so senior today is because she always speak up for herself and she's very confident about what she does. So she actually uh, stood up for herself and she said, no, like, I, I'm not going to get you wine. And I feel like stories like that needs to be shared and, and told because I'm sure in the law industry, stuff like that happened a lot to women. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and when you have uh, women coming to you with these stories and like that, I assume that's just like the surface level issue. And then once you start digging deeper, you see that, okay, this has actually given some kind of scars in a way or it 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 keeps repeating itself these kind of situations all over again how do you how do you help them out very good question yeah so um as you said stories like that are literally just the tip of the iceberg it's very very surface level and when it keeps happening to you again and again it makes you feel like you don't have your voice at a workplace and makes you feel like you really struggle to find your ground amount like all the men that you uh, work with every single day. So um, the reason why clients come to work with me, usually the initial goal would be, oh, I want to work on my fitness. I want to get healthier. I want to lose some weight. But deep down inside, it's more about, okay, what does losing weight mean to you? It means that I'm physically stronger or it means that I can look better in my workload. So I'm a bit more confident when it comes to board meetings, client meetings. And when I'm more confident, I can't stand up for myself when uh, when I'm being treated unfairly. So um, it's all about a psychology behind your mindset, having a bit more of like a stronger stand so you can protect yourself and draw boundaries. Yeah, um, further down the line, apart from fitness, clients also work with me a lot about um, drawing boundaries. How do you communicate your standards across so people don't just, you know, um, see you as a pushover, a work environment, especially. Yeah. And uh, did you give them some exercises or, or some tips and tools that they can use when they when they experience these situations? Yeah, definitely. So a big thing is mindset coaching. So um, coaching through them to know their worth by exploring, for example, um, the parenting style, the way how they were raised as a child and what make them who they are today. So I guess um, coaching my clients to have a bit of a sense of self-awareness because the more you understand yourself, the better you can ex express yourself and also it helps with your personal growth. Um, a very special tool that I quite like to use is with every single client, I get them to do a personality test. It's called the Myers-Briggs. I'm not sure if you've heard about that. So um, if, the, if the listeners are interested, Google it, Myers-Briggs personality test. Um, it's called the 16 type. So figure out your type and then see how you can work around your weaknesses and strength. Uh, strength. It's really helpful when it comes to um, a professional working situation as well, just to understand like what um, what's your negotiation style? Are you a bit more assertive? Are you a bit more analytical? Or are you a bit more cooperative so you can make good use of your strength and our weaknesses? Um, and then the second thing is just from the psychology perspective, there are mental skills that you can use. Um, for example, positive self-talk or having like a, what we, what we call like a what if plan. So what if something doesn't work uh, at work or doesn't go your way? What is your plan B? And so people don't react on the situation based on their emotions, but they actually have a plan to follow through. And then apart from that, a big thing is using the right um, negotiation skills by asking the right question, saying the right words um, to get your way through at work situation just to make your life a lot easier as well.
That's a lot of good techniques right there. And I, I kind of just want to dive into all of it because I love this thing with the personality test, but also the the positive thinking. And uh, now I can't even remember what, what came after because it was such a long list. Um, but but these tips, they they sound so like easy to implement in a way if you if you get some tips and tools and like this is how you do positive self-talk because I I definitely remember the first time my therapist told me you have to start thinking more positive thoughts I was like I don't really know how to do that because all my thoughts are really negative and for me that's where yoga really helped because every time you do a yoga practice or a meditation you're kind of reminded to to step into that positive self-talk and and the teacher keeps reminding you that that you're enough and and that's how I really love how yoga and psychology also support each other because even though you get a lot of therapy I think the work also happens outside of the of the therapy sessions and I think that's that's also what we talked about earlier that lawyers are good uh, clients to <laughs> to help out because they they go and do the work like me for instance I went and dove deep into my to my yoga practice to uh, embrace and embody all the the things that that I was advised to do from a psychological point of view and then just to touch on them this thing with the personality test um i really like that as well and actually recently the the company i work for i work as an in-house counsel in a in a big uh, um, international company and uh, we had this uh, team day with a session to we'd all done a personality test before that day and then we had an external consultant come out and explain to us what all our different personality types were and how we related to each other and, and we had to guess like okay if this happens how would how would Laura react or how would my manager react and yeah. in the first place it was really an uncomfortable exercise like even for someone like me who's pretty used to you know talking about emotions and teaching yoga classes but suddenly being in this very professional setting with other lawyers and kind of opening up um was a little scary but but I really see the benefit of it now that we're back to work because I I definitely found some sides of myself when I read through that analysis of my personality um, saying like, well, I really think with my heart, not so much with my brain. <laughs> and sometimes that's very tricky in the legal profession yeah. um, because people just expect you to be cold and go for the facts. And then if you sit in a meeting and you're like, I have so much compassion for this guy, I need to help him out. You really, <laughs> you really find that clash of like, okay, I need to stay on point here. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, so just having the self-awareness of knowing who you are and like like how do you think so a good example would be um some people are what we call thinker they're a bit more logical i'm sure a lot of lawyers are like that because you need to think and make decisions based on numbers and data not emotions at work however some people are like feeler like myself we like to make decisions based on how we feel and emotions and that's not always effective so being aware of that sometimes you can pull yourself back on track when you you know get off track and also just to um echo what you just said it's really nice for you to understand what your colleagues are like so you can actually communicate with them a bit better and more effective when it comes to working together on the same case or same project exactly that was that was part of the the analysis we all got it said this is how you communicate towards me for instance and this is how i should communicate with with my colleagues and 
sometimes I would show up and be like, well, I think we just, you know, all over the place. But then the profile of my manager said, you really need to go straight to the point and not have all this fluff and present a solution. And I was like, I need to keep that in mind next time I come with a <laughs> with question. So you can learn so much from these uh, personality tests as well. As well. And on top of this whole thing with uh, challenges specifically for for women in the legal profession, you uh, you also mentioned that you had this client who had uh, came from an Asian background. Um, and I know you have some stories to share as well around the challenges that you see lawyers from different racial backgrounds face in the legal industry. Do you want to share some of these stories as well? Yeah, definitely. So I recently had a new client who is um, African. Um, and then she's got, so her name is quite long when it comes to like pronouncing it. Um, and then there were two major challenges that she faced. Um, first one is when she was looking for a contract. So she said that she entered the final interview with quite a big company. Um, and then everything looks fine. They show her around the offices. It was all quite promising because she's got quite um, education and quite good grades as well. But um, at the end of the day, the company decided to hire someone else that is a bit more uh, junior or even like greener compared to what she have on her CV. So she was getting quite confused. And then um, she went on to LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn is so resourceful nowadays. Went onto LinkedIn, Google that company and look at, oh, who did they hire recently? Um, turns out that the company went for someone who's a man and who's white. So stuff like that just make her feel like really, really upset. But again, um, there, there, there's nothing that you can do about that um, apart from just regulating your own emotions and then having an open conversation about it. Because nowadays we talk a lot about DNI, diversity and inclusion. Um, it's still very, very early on. Like, it's a long journey and a very long battle to fight. Um, so yeah, that's the first one. And then the second one is she's actually right now working at an in-house uh, like. Uh, she's an in-house lawyer in like a smaller office and then a couple of weeks ago a client phoned in and asked to speak with a lawyer so she picked up the phone and she was talking to the client and then the client said this particular comment that really upset her the client said that oh um can i speak to someone that's from my background so they can understand me a bit better so the client was white and when the client saw her name obviously she's not white um, and I guess he can tell from the way she speaks and her accent as well. Um, so just stuff like that. It's really, really frustrating. But um, again, uh, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, people's got their own judgment and stereotype when it comes to, um, let's say, speaking to a lawyer. Um, so, yeah, it's quite frustrating. But again, nothing much that we can do about that. Another thing that I want to add on top was uh, we had a this discussion about i think it was a few months ago um a black barista in, in the uk she when she was in court she got uh mistaken as the defendant three times by i think i think the have you heard about that one about the guard no that, I, no go for it explain sounds terrible actually <laughs> it's terrible yeah so a black uh female barista um yeah she got it's, it's basically the some of the the workers at court so like you know that like you're a barista you you're at, you're there all the time so people should know you already but she keep getting asked if she's the defendant like literally three times by some of the workers there by the guard by uh some of the i don't know like by by the by the legal assistant or something so that was quite a big uh news and article um in the uk couple couple months ago i think 
So yeah. these are just like examples of like how your skin color could potentially make your life a bit more difficult when it comes to a work situation, especially in law and in sport when it's very, you know, white middle class um, kind of old school environment. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you're sharing this because obviously for me as a white lawyer, I, I, I still know what it's like to be female and a woman in the legal industry. That's difficult enough in and of itself. But if you add the the challenges of coming from a different background on top of it, I, I can't even imagine what it is you have to go through and how much more you need to prove yourself that your grades were good enough. And like, who cares? I also speak English with an accent, but I'm I'm pretty sure no one from even from another country would would say, hey, they want to speak with a different lawyer just because I have an accent. There's there's so much with uh, like, I guess they couldn't see her on, on a video screen or anything, but but just with the name and then the accent and then you go, okay, you're not a real lawyer. Like, what kind of attitude is that and it's so uncomfortable and 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 as you say there's not so much we can do about it but i think it's important that we we take the time to address it um, in conversations like these so people start to at least gain the awareness that there's an issue here and we we need to talk about it and we we need to be more open minded and say okay a lawyer can look many different ways um i had an interview last week with another lawyer from Arizona in the US um and 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 she had some of the same experiences and it's it's just sad and we need to um we need to get it out there and and talk about it yeah it's it almost feel like a daily struggle that you have to constantly prove yourself you got to go like not even an extra mile 10,000 extra mile to just to be treated or like respected the same as just like, you know, like a white man with the yeah. same experience. So it is a struggle and it's very, very frustrating on top of like all the pressure or the workload that you have. This is why sometimes when a client come see me, it's more like a therapy session. They talk to me about stuff. Yeah. That they, um, the struggles that they saw at work on that day, how they got like thrown under the bus many, many times by the seniors, just because, um, they are a woman and like people feel like oh you're not going to speak up for yourself yeah but and it, it is challenging I, ha I had a situation like this myself a couple of uh, months ago um, which I haven't experienced in a while because I've the, the company I work for now as an in-house counsel it's it's way more down to earth and it's not the same type of uncomfortable legal climate because uh, it's a bigger company and there are other types of people than just lawyers but I still had this experience with uh, with an older guy kind of throwing me under the bus in this kind of presentation where it was like Laura now you take the lead and you start just entertaining these 40 people on the call and I was like I don't I don't want to be your like circus clown here on this call but there was no way that I could say I don't want to do that because I had this older guy telling me to just go and do it and I mean, I'm I'm still wondering how do we actually speak up in these situations? Do do you give your um, your clients some kind of advice to say because it's like when you're in the situations, you you almost don't notice what is going on until you leave the room and ten minutes later you're like, what the hell just happened in there? I'm not supposed to be okay with these kind of things. Like maybe yeah. if you were still. I don't know, a student assistant with not so much experience, that's what you can expect. But as you graduate law school, you pass the bar, you you get some authority, you get some experience, you're not supposed to put up with these things anymore. 
Yeah, very good question. Um, that is a million dollar question. Me and my clients actually have ongoing conversation about this. Okay, so when stuff like, like that happens in public, obviously you can't just react on the spot because that looks so unprofessional. But then as you said, when you get home, you'd be like, what just happened? That should not have happened. Um, just sharing my client's perspective, a lot of them has been qualified for over a decade. With stuff like that, um, as a woman acting against a man, you can't really go against them directly because it's never going to end well with you because you are a woman. So with a situation like that, um, a lot of them would say that there's nothing much that you could do, but you can always write it down and like just remember it. And then in the future, there might be a chance for you to fight back, but it's definitely a long game. Um, so to answer your question, a lot of time people just take it in. There's nothing much that you can do about it. Um, in my personal perspective, because I do work with a lot of white men in sports as well, I feel like as a woman, we do have an advantage. Sometimes using your feminine energy to use like a bit more like a softer tone, saying the right word, or like even batting your eyelashes. I'm being <laughs> honest. Sometimes it helps. Yeah, exactly. So this is also why um, I could be subjective, but I feel like if you are fit, if you take good care of yourself and you look good and you show up at work with a good energy and people can sense that you're firm, they do tend to treat you a bit more um, politely and with a bit more respect instead of asking you to run just random errands for them or like say stupid things on a work call. Um, but yeah, I guess there's only so much that we can do to take care of ourselves and also to work on our negotiation style, to work on how assertive we can be. But it is a problem. Um, and this is why we're talking about it today, to bring the awareness to the industry. I guess a lot of times, <laughs> men don't even realize what they've done they didn't know that it was offensive so perhaps having like a calm conversation with them afterwards would also help and just say that oh um don't say something in the sense that oh what you did there was really frustrating said it from your perspective oh this is what just happened and that made me feel a bit frustrated or that upset me a little bit would that be okay if we don't use that phrase or we don't say stuff like that next time. But again, there's only so much that we can do, especially talking to someone who's a bit more senior and who's who's a man. Yeah. Yeah. I love that tip. And and it's 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 so great to just stay on your own feel or, or what you can do, what you can change instead of like pointing fingers and telling everyone else what they're doing right. Because that's also not what I want this uh, podcast to be about, just you know, like shaming men or whatever, because there are a lot of nice men out there in the legal profession as well. But if we can help educate them and tell them, you know what, what you just did there actually make me really sad or uncomfortable or I kept thinking about it when I came home from work can we have a conversation and can we resolve this issue and and just kind of clean the air definitely I think a lot of men as you said they're very very nice they're just not aware of what they did wasn't very respectful and when you bring it up they would like honestly take extra mile to make sure that you feel comfortable in the future so yeah, I think communication is key. So sometimes when stuff happens, <clears throat> taking it all in might not be the best way moving forward because you have to address issues. This is why having the right self-awareness and having like the basic negotiation and communication style 
so you can ask the right questions say the right thing that is really really essential yeah yeah and it just comes with practice like now i mentioned this example from from a couple of months ago but now that i think of it i had the a very similar experience in a conference call yesterday with a guy who was um he was just being really rude to me and and in that moment i just didn't have the power to tell him like to watch his attitude or his behavior or whatever i was just really caught off guard and and i was sitting there you know coming back to laura uh, five years ago like <gasps> everything they say is like god's words until i came off the call and i was like that was totally not okay and i should have I should have said something. I should have spoken out for myself and 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 have him respect me because there were also other people present on the call and it was a little bit humiliating. And and to be honest, I actually just had to cry it out afterwards because it was oh. like, you know, when that feeling when you sit in a conference call and people are just being so rude that you can feel like this is not going in a good direction. And I simply don't have the bandwidth right now to figure out a nice way to tell them to to behave. It's 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 just so uncomfortable and actually one um one journaling uh, technique that that i teach within one of my programs is um to write down about this experience and what happened and you might have not set the things that you wish you had said or put them in place in the moment but write it down now say how would you have shown up for yourself in that moment if you had the bandwidth to do it because i think that's a great way to sort of resolve these kind of um, communication blocks that we might have um and 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 just let it go and maybe at some point now i'm very aware of what happened yesterday so i hope that next time i'm in a very uncomfortable conference call with a mean old man that i can then <laughs> tell him off on the spot without provoking him even more but just saying you know what that makes me feel really uncomfortable when you bring this attitude to the meeting i'm just trying to help you that's my job absolutely that is a great point so just coming back to the psychology perspective in performance psychology there's a technique that we call what if plan. Exactly like we just said, okay, so this happened today. I was thrown off the guard because I wasn't mentally prepared for it. So I write it down. And then, so next time when this happened, how would I have like reacted? So, so like the way how it works is, okay, what if this happened next time? What is my plan B? So, because when stuff like that happened, we don't want to just react. We want to respond to it. Reaction is something that you, uh, act out based on emotions on the spot, but response is something that's logical that you've thought through. So that is a great point. So yeah, when stuff like that happens, definitely write it down and then think of a plan B or even a plan C. But um, I guess a lot, a lot of times, as I, as far as I'm aware, lawyers could be quite harsh on themselves because we're quite like you guys are quite perfectionist. So when stuff like that happen try not to spend too much time just mulling over it sit down get yourself a cup of tea for like 15 minutes write something down and then just you know get on and move on with your life yeah but i'm really sorry that happened to you yesterday yeah but, it yeah. was um it was really uncomfortable and it's been a long time since i had this kind of experience i, I really thought you know i had it together and then this happened and i was like oh my god not again <laughs> you know but uh, luckily my boy i was working from home and my boyfriend was home and and i could just talk the the situation through with him and and he gets it like i think sometimes he he might also be like oh, laura why are you making such a big deal out of it but it, again tying back to this whole 
um, personality testing that we talked about earlier, I I became very aware when 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 I got the, the latest results from that personality test that I am some kind of person th that kind of person who takes things personal and I need to be aware of that it is a weakness and I'm sure many guys who would have been in the same call they probably wouldn't have cried after the meeting um, they would have probably just been annoyed and got on with their day but in a way I'm also happy that that's how I react because I can take it in and I can be like that was totally not okay I'm going to talk to my boyfriend I'm going to write something down I'm going to process it and then today when I sit in front of my computer and I work I'm feeling okay again love that like you were very very brave just to face and accept your emotions talk it out cry it out that is the best way to you know relieve the stress definitely don't just hold it in that would yeah. be my advice yeah. yeah just get it out okay um and something that has helped me quite a lot through this whole process um and i know something that helps a lot of other aspiring lawyers as well is to invest in a mentor um there are so many different benefits of this um but i think for for many of us there there are two different obstacles in particular first of all we're conscious about this financial investment that it entails and then secondly there's also a little bit of a stigma around asking for help because of mental problems like most lawyers are quite independent we're um hired to solve other people's problems <laughs> so we don't go out and ask people to solve our personal problems. Um, so I'm curious if you would mind to share your perspective on, on the values of investing financially and mentally in a mentor. Definitely. Um, so I really like the concept of mentorship. Um, reason being in my psychology training, one of the criteria is um, as a trainee, I have to hire myself a mentor. And the way how it works is I pay her a monthly fee. And then we, uh, we have like a call every month to catch up. And then we see each other in person every quarter. So I see her like four times a year. And then apart from like coaching and giving me perspective on how I could build my businesses, um, she would also teach me a lot of stuff that we were not taught at school. So for example, like, okay, how do you react when you get disrespected by a man at work? Um, at like a conference dinner, what happens when people get, you know, a bit, um, tipsy they have a few drinks and they start getting quite touchy how do you deal with that so having a female figure that is in a more senior position who's experienced that it's just so valuable to hear their perspective and to actually future proof yourself before stuff like that can even happen so i think as a woman um being concerned about your safety in like a work environment um especially when things might get carried away in like a social situation like a dinner at some time just having that perspective or honestly anything that happened to you at work that makes you feel like oh that's really frustrating but like what happened to you yesterday stuff like that you can really talk to your mentor so they could help you out with like the right guidance and right counseling and apart from that obviously um having a mentor that you can look up to would be really helpful in your career path as well because they could definitely give you the right perspective and point you to the right direction and connection when you want to progress on your career um i do know that there are few quite mentorship platform especially at least in the uk for lawyers to like get help but what i've seen so far is i think almost all of them are free 
which is something that I'm quite against because I'm a big believer of financial investment equals to mental commitment. If it's a free uh, relationship, it means that it's just another meeting on your diary that you can move around, if that makes sense at all. So um, with a financial concern, I guess a lot of trainee or like newly qualified lawyer, they might not have the capacity to invest a lot. However, um, I have been having a lot of conversation with my clients who are quite senior in the legal industry. A lot of them really want to give back and they're just happy to charge like a very, like not even like 10% of like the, uh, the billable fee just to mentor these people as a form of like an emotional investment. So I think um, fee or like investment would not be a huge issue because people are happy to help. However, I do feel like it should not be free just for the accountability perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I totally agree. And I can see it for myself as well. I've um, I've had quite a lot of mentors and coaches, especially the, the last year, helping me in all sorts of different directions. And last year, I really got um, serious with investing in myself. I think up until that point, I was like, you know, buying expensive clothes or going out for dinners. And then it was like a mindset shift um, happened and I started to spend my money differently. And I was like, okay, maybe if I go and spend a thousand pounds or US dollars over here with this person, they will bring me to the next level. And I started to, well, I stopped thinking about this as like, oh, it's a waste of money. And what am I even going to get out of it? It's just a 60 minute conversation because I could see I put in the work and and I I, I prioritize, prioritize these meetings to, to to get there or log onto the call, whatever it was. And, and that's where real transformation happens. It, it needs to be a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think great things only happen outside of your comfort zone. And I invest in myself heavily with like my mentor, my business coach. There were so many times like after a conversation, I just feel like, oh my God, I'm so glad that we had that conversation. If we did not, my life or like my path moving forward would look so different. So stuff like that just made me really, really realize that investing in yourself and doing the, the internal work is really the way to go for the benefit of your mental health and for your career progression. Exactly. It's it's like a gateway, get, getting there much faster than trying to figure it out on your own, because there are so many people that have done all these things before you. So you might as well take the easy route. Definitely. <laughs> we like to be efficient. Absolutely. Exactly. All these efficient lawyers. Um, we're going to start to wrap up here. But before we do, I want to ask you three super quick questions. Are you ready? Sure. Cool. What is one book you would recommend to law students, law grads and lawyers embarking on their career journey? Great question. Um, it's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Foss. Um, he's the director of a negotiation company called the Black Swan Group. Um, so stuff that he talked about, I actually learned a lot from him. Um, I do have the book here with me. Yeah, so it's very bright yellow, Never Split the Difference. It's great in terms of it gives you lots of practical negotiation skills that the fbi used to work in fbi so like FBI, fbi negotiators would use in like big negotiations that comes down to like life or death people can actually die if they fail the negotiation so really really practical skills that you can use and yeah it's so applicable in the law industry definitely 
Yeah, thank you so much for that recommendation. I, I haven't heard about it before, but I'm going to read that Never never Split the Difference. Uh, and I love yes. that the book is also yellow, so unbrand for me. <laughs> um, the second question is, what is your number one tip to deal with a toxic work environment? Oh, very good question. Um, that comes down to a bit of like psychology counseling as well. So when stuff, okay, when the environment is toxic, it's so important for you to sit down and ask yourself, what is your end goal here? Like if you, you've got a very clear goal and you understand what really mattered to you in terms of like what your highest values are, um, then you can make a decision to see whether you can stay here and still uh, progress to get to your end goal or whether you should leave the situation. I guess my first instinct would be you can't really change the environment. You can only change how you deal with it. So it really comes down to you whether you want to leave the situation, which is always the best case scenario. But with all the constraints, sometimes we have to stay at where we are at. Then it comes down to you figuring out your, your highest value and see how you can find a way to still uh, preserve that value, let's say it's integrity or if it's hard work while being in that situation. I love that. Thank you. And last question, if you could change one thing about the curriculum in law school, what would you change? Oh, very good question. Hmm. I'm not sure if you guys get taught negotiation skills at law school, but I think having a few psychology sessions within your curriculum would be really helpful to a bring up students awareness so they know themselves a bit better let's say the personality test i think everyone should go through that just to understand themselves better and also give law students some more practical negotiation advice so they're a bit more confident and they have the toolbox in their pocket to stand up for themselves and to fight back when things are unfair that they might come across in their legal career and i think having a mandatory uh, mentorship, like what we did in psychology school, would be really helpful as well. Like you're almost like forced to invest into a mentor and having the accountability, let's say for the first year as a trainee, would be so valuable moving forward with your career. Oh my God, I wish I would have had that. <laughs> that would have helped me so much. Yeah. Yeah. And... Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before we finish up here today? Um, one thing that I want to put out there is if you are a woman that works in a very competitive, like white uh, male dominated environment, just remember that you're not alone and it is going to be a struggle to find your voice and stand your ground, but don't give up when there are issues happen acknowledge your feelings it's okay to be sad it's okay to be frustrated talk about it um write it down and yeah just let it out and there's nothing to be ashamed of stuff i mean shit's gonna happen pardon my language it's part of life but it really comes down to how you deal with it and whether you take the positive out of it so you can progress further down the line with your career and we've all been there and you're not alone Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure that's comforting to hear for a lot of people. If someone would like to check out what you're doing, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, my name, Abigail, and then dot siu, so S-I-U. Yeah, and I've also got a website. It's uh, www.sportpsychology.uk. 
Great. Thank you. I'll make sure to pop the links in the description to this episode so they can go check you out and see what you're doing. Thank right. you, Abby, for being a guest on the Hatha Yoga podcast. And to anyone out there listening to our conversation, thank you so much for listening. As you know, this podcast is a totally independent production. So every little bit of support from you truly means so much to me. If you're wondering how you can support the podcast, you can write a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show or share it with someone you love in the real world or in cyberspace. You're also more than welcome to send me a message and tell me about your journey. I would love to hear from you. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Abby. Amazing. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.